Hallelujah, Jesus. You can be seated tonight in Jesus' name. I just want to bring you a brief scripture before I introduce our first special guest tonight in Jesus' name. 1 Timothy 4.12, the same scripture that is on the back of our youth sweatshirt, says, Let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given to thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. It's an incredible scripture. Pastor Carnahan and I have nothing but confidence in these two that are going to speak tonight. I'm going to introduce them both because one is just going to hand right to the next one in Jesus' name, and we're going to let them have uh, whatever liberty they, they need behind this pulpit in Jesus' name. This church has made a stance to bring people who are dedicated to the kingdom of God behind this platform. We, we don't just allow anybody here, and, and there's a reason being behind that, not because the people up here are something super special, but because there's a scripture that talks about somebody being a novice and being brand new and, and no, learning about God and scripture and things like that and feeling the call to preach, and that's a great thing by all means. But the scripture cautions us on using them in, in positions that could cause pride in their life and cause them to fall without any sort of admonition or these, these other things going on that I just read inside of the scripture, purity and, and word and uh, life and, and charity and that sort of thing. Those things have to begin to be exemplified, and that's what keeps that pride away. And so that is why we, we have nothing but confidence in these two here tonight. They have been doing a wonderful job in the youth group. Brother Mike has been uh, attending there, helping our young people, doing a great job. And Brother Jake has been doing a wonderful job leading that. And so tonight I would like to ask Brother Jake to come. Can we give the Lord a round of applause and thank him for the good work that he's doing through them tonight? Amen. He actually opened up with a scripture that I'm going to go very much into depth about. Um, it's incredible. That is our youth scripture. There's many elements of that, and that's what that scripture is about, the faith, the purity, the charity, and many of those aspects as well, because our group, it's made up of many people. And, and today and tonight, I, I just want to open up with many different things that God wants to bring forward. Um, and I want to pray against that spirit of discouragement or speak against it as well. There are many different people from every different age group in this building tonight, and I, I understand that. And I want to speak to that because we have young people, teenagers, and we also have elders in this church, meaning both those that are um, older and those that know the word of God, and they're, they're speaking it into other people's lives as well. But if those two things come together... There's something very powerful that will begin to happen and something very incredible. And so I know that there's two speakers tonight, and so I thought I'd take the opportunity to speak about this since something else was going to follow up with it as well. Um, and it's a very powerful thing. So with that, I'm going to open up a little bit of story. Yesterday, we were enjoying the nice day. Um, we were out walking uh, my dog, and she's an incredible, uh, very energetic dog. And she began to run into some water. And that water began to taper off and get deeper and deeper. And little did she know she was going to end up fully swimming, and she had never swim before. She was a little puppy, um, and she just went right in, but she began to swim right away. Um, and with the Spirit of God, sometimes we'll go so far in, and we'll begin to push, and as adults, we don't push as much as we should, and I know it because I'm there as well, and we don't push as much as what we should, and we begin to limit ourselves and what God wants because we've, we've messed up before, and my dog learned quickly to get out of that water and to, to push out of those things and didn't fully have the wisdom behind it. But we need elders to keep that wisdom in those things that will help keep that shelf in our lives. Um, I was taught at a youth leader training as well that um, whenever you worship God, when somebody's looking up to you or they're maybe younger than you, they're going to go maybe just a step down from what you're doing. 
So it helps to push your worship to do more for um, the family unit, for whatever it is that would help to push you and drive you a little bit more. So with that being said, I've had the opportunity to speak to um, teenagers. Again, I'm in the back, and I enjoy it. I love being around them, um, teaching Bibles with, Bible studies with young adults, as well as interacting with, um, obviously, adults out here as well. So I feel like I'm kind of in a middle ground or a middle perspective right now, seeing kind of both sides of things. And so that's why I wanted to bring that unique message to you guys of trying to pull that together. So I'm going to open up with a story here, and I'm going to let God flow. Um, and again, with this unique message, just let God take over and begin to flow through it. So... Clouds covered the target area of the sleek B-29, circled for nearly an hour until its fuel supply reached the danger point. The captain of his crew, uh, frustrated because they were unable to fulfill their mission, and finally decided they had better go for the secondary target. Changing course, they found that the sky was clear. The command was given bombs away, and the B-29 headed for its home base. Later, an officer received some startling information from a military intelligence one week before their mission, the Japanese had transferred one of their uh, largest concentrations of captured Americans to the city of Kukura. Realizing that that happened, an officer exclaimed, thank God for the protecting cloud. If the city hadn't been hidden from the bomber, it would have been destroyed and thousands of Americans would have died. And there's a covering upon our lives with elders. And it truly is there. And I can only imagine in Exodus 14 and that story of Pharaoh and how the Egyptians begin to surround the armies of Israel, or I'm sorry, the people of Israel, and they begin to flee. But that covering of God and that protecting cloud was upon them and begin to follow them and begin to lead them. And sure, they had their ways of murmuring and saying things they shouldn't be. But there was also the elders there that would begin to help to pull them back and rein them in and say, this isn't what we should be doing, but we should be concentrating on the word of God. And that cloud can come in many different fashions. And I want this message to be for every single person. And I tried to think of some analogies or, or some actual positions where you guys are in um, tonight. Anything from helping lead the nursery to greeting people at the front door, or maybe even those who clean the church or bring food to the men's meeting, to those who water the flowers and keep the church looking nice, or faithfully attending the prayer room before every service. There are those who will pick up trash on the ground in the sanctuary or shovel the snow in the parking lot before service. There are many lessons and many things that can be taught, and there are some of you that are drowning in your positions. You do the same thing over and over and over, but there is something that as an elder, people that have concentrated on the word of God can begin to bring forth and begin to teach those still small lessons as God would want you to. In Acts 2 and 17, I'm going to go there first through verses 18, um, it talks about many powerful things of um, having the elders and the young men as well. And it talks about there, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I need my elders in this church to speak to me. I do. I need my elders to rise up and speak things into my life. Those that call me on a regular basis and speak things into me, I thank you for that. And I truly need that to be spoken in my life. And I need those things to be stepped up. No matter what the influence of this world is, I need my elders to keep those things in roots. And those dreams, they're often things sometimes in the past. 
and seeing those great things that happen. And I think a lot of you in this place that are older have many stories that you could tell, um, uh, funny ones, uh, hard ones, uh, tough times, whatever it may be. But I need those dreamers to keep that in perspective. God will help keep those things in perspective if you'll allow it. And that will begin to trickle down into the, trickle down into the church body and keep that root system intact. I don't want to run into the same issue, issues that Israel did, having one generation fight for God and then the other one forgetting what it meant to fight for God, and they turn to other idols. I don't want that in my life. I need elders. I need all of you to step up and speak to me and these young people. There are times where you might seem very insignificant, but you're out front greeting people. You're speaking to them, and a young person walks up there and just begins to talk to you about certain things. It is a perfect opportunity to speak life into them in a very loving way, but you can also share examples. I can tell you that there are hungry young people that want to hear from you. They want to hear those examples spoken into your life, and they want to see those dreams and the things that you've learned from, those hardships that you've been through. And I'm not saying you corner a young person in the back and speak to them for an hour on end, but just those subtle things that you give off to them, just those simple things that those dreams will begin to relay. Scientists have discovered in our dreams we cannot create the faces that we see in those dreams. Oftentimes what it is is somebody that you've seen in the passing and your mind remembers that. You might not have thought about it, but your mind remembers that. And dreams are often, like I said, remembering things that have already occurred. I need our young people to see those visions and take hold of it while remembering to keep God in full tact. That dog, like I said, she ran into that water. And sometimes as adults, we don't do certain things because we limit ourselves. We think, I shouldn't do that. And oftentimes, it's where God's wanting to take us. But since we've learned and gotten so hardened in our ways, we don't release what God wants. And yet those young people, not always doing it out of the right mindset or right things, but they'll begin to push things. They'll begin to drive and force things. And I want you to keep that in mind that you have to keep them in perspective. But that vision and that drivenness is something we need in a church body. We truly need that to help the dreamers keep them in perspective and help the visionaries to cast forth the things of God. And I can remember as a young person struggling, I managed to get the mustard and the strength to come up to an altar. And I remember which side of the church it was even on. Um, and I would come up here as a young person, just the strength to come up here and start to pray in, in front of all of the adults and everything. And it was very tough. But I can remember that a, a firm hand resting in my back and do the soft-spokenness of this elder in the church. I knew there was an anointing, and I, I just felt it. I didn't have to hear what he was saying. I, I felt it upon my back, and that'll begin to help strengthen somebody more than you would ever know. When these young people come to this altar, and again, I know this is a little bit of a different message to be speaking about, but I know it's very powerful and something that if we can tie in, it'll be great. And so as a young person, if they come, don't feel scared to go up and reach out to them, to begin to touch them. And when I speak about an elder, again, I want to emphasize it doesn't mean you have a cane and you're walking into the church hunched over. It means you know the word of God and you have it rooted in the truth in your life. And those young people are also can be babes in Christ or, or just started coming to a church and just started learning. So don't hesitate to reach to those people. 1 Timothy 4 and 14, and that's exactly where I was leading off on this as well, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with laying on of the hands of the presbytery. That word there can be translated, I looked it up, it can also be elders. The people who know the word of God, letting that thing begin to transfer to you. If you allow that as you come here, if you're new here, and you'll let that begin to transfer to you, it's, they've got good intentions. They want to see you get closer to God. They want to see a move of God upon your life. And just to have that backing, you'll go out there. Our young people will go out there into schools, and it's scary out there. But you don't know what's happening in that person's lives. Our teenagers are bombarded in this current world, and the school system constantly is beginning to parade them with certain things. 
Even teachers will do it. And I had it happen in my own life at the college trying to open up certain things. Elders, teenagers may come to this altar praying just to make it another day because they are hurting to live for God. And I have seen many who have uh, had parents that will reject them because they choose to live for God. And I'm talking our current generation. I'm talking currently, presently. Their parents are rejecting them. And you guys, they come here as this being their only family. It's their only group that they have to receive. And so that important eldership, or whatever you would like to call it, it's so important to just speak life into them, to speak encouragement into them, and to speak those things that God would want for them. You might have uh, be intimidated to pray for a young person, but if you would just be willing to respond and lay your hands on their back and let them know that they are cared for and they have the ultimate family in this church. This church is meant to be a family. It's meant to go full circle from the elders to the young people to the adults, young people, whatever it is, our, our kids. It's meant to go full circle so these things will come to life. And these teens look to you like some of the second parents. I've had some of our young people mention some of you by name saying that you are a second parent to them. That's critical, and that's very important, and I want you to take that and begin, and again, these things are spoken so that way you understand it in the future. When you're just back there picking up garbage or, or whatever, maybe cleaning the church, you have something to give to these kids if they come to you. And going back to Acts in 2.18, I'm going to jump between these two a little bit, but Acts 2 and 18, it says, and on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Those handmaids and servants are not the people necessarily up here doing the things um, or, or looking at the glamorous things that are seen in public. They're behind the scenes vacuuming. They're behind the scenes cleaning up garbages. They're in front of the church greeting people. They're in the nursery speaking to our young kids as well. It's not the most glamorous things, but God's going to pour out in those days. And again, it talks about the end times coming. But in those days, he's going to pour out his spirit, and they shall prophesy. To prophesy is a pretty big deal. And he's going to use some of the lesser people to do that, some of the greater people as well. But he's going to use those people. No matter who you are, and again, it's a full circle of what God wants. And some of you are looking for a different position in the church, and you're comparing them to what you are doing now. You might even be thinking your position or things you are doing are not even worth it, so why keep trying? And I've found that the kids and teenagers and young people, they're watching you way more than what you would ever know. And one of our sayings in our youth group is preach Christ, and if you must, use words. Very powerful saying as well. But if you're involved in primrose or, or whatever you are involved in, it's something you have to keep churning and to keep going. And continuing in 1 Timothy 4, and I'm going to go 14 through 16, and I'm going to repeat 14. And it says, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things and give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting, or yeah, profiting may appear to all. And take heed unto thyself unto the doctrine and continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and that hear thee. That is so incredible. If you will take those things that you speak to people, you can save yourself literally by those things and helping somebody else. Some of you, again, are drowning in what you are doing, and you need to start breathing for air and knowing God is for you, and he's not against you. He's willing to do these things for you and to uplift you if you'll be obedient. Oftentimes, you might be seeking a healing so much so you idolize that healing. And yet along, God is telling you to come pray for one of these young people. Come pray for somebody new in this church. And then your healing begins to happen. If you would just be willing to, to, to trust God and focus on him more than your healing, something great would begin to happen. 
Visions without understanding and foundation is very reckless. It can begin to happen where you feel like you're drowning and just driving. We must stay grounded with our elders and staying in our past will not further adding to the kingdom of God. If we only continue to remember what happened in the past, we'll never get something further. It's critical that our young people continue to see those visions and that our elders continue to let them go forward and beginning to push out in a very unique way. And bro, Mike, I'm just about done. So if you want to prepare and get ready. Oh, that's all right. Um, And so in order to be the complete body of Christ, we must exhort one another, no matter what age group we are or what generation we come from, we truly need one another and ultimately to keep our salvation going in the right direction. Teens, young people, and elders, we are one family and truly need one another in the body of Christ. I know, again, this was not a, a... uh, or, uh, you know, certain messages, you can go one way or another with them, but this is one message that, again, it's unique for the position that I'm in and what I've seen with our young people looking up to some of you adults. And I want you to see that, that no matter what you are doing, it is very, very important to the kingdom of God because they watch you when nobody else is. Those kids, they bring up things that they're watching you. And it, it's truly important to keep that in mind that God is looking to you guys to keep that vision going, to keep that church going and churning. And his brother Mike comes, I want to just, if everyone could raise your hands and just pray, and I want you to pray about what God would want, who, you, who God uh, would want you to pray for tonight, and who God would want you to lead tonight, and it might not be just a young person you go to, but maybe it's someone new in the church, maybe it's something different that God wants you to do, but being obedient to that word is very crucial, so as Brother Mike comes, if you would just pray about that at the end of service, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time that you can begin to pray for those people as well. Yes, Jesus. So um, we're, we, we didn't prepare our messages together, but um, we talked a little bit about it before, and I thought they might match up, but they didn't quite all the way match up, but I'm like tempted to go a different direction here, but I don't have any scripture to back it up, and so I want scripture always to back up what I say, so I'm probably going to go with the first message, but I just kind of want to, I'm going to add a little bit 
to what Jake says. Just about remembering, I've told Jake this before, but just for any youth that are here, I just remember being in high school, and I know that on the outside, my friend Josh from high school, both of us, on the outside, I looked way different than what I was hungering for on the inside. I remember driving by. I didn't grow up in a church. Um, I went every Christmas and Easter with my parents. But I remember being in high school, and I was Mr. Cool back then, Mr. Popular, whatever, you know. But deep inside, I had no self-esteem, you know. The only thing that I had was I was a good, good athlete. Um, but deep inside, I was depressed. I felt stupid. That's what I always thought I was. I thought I was stupid. If you said, if you called me stupid, that was the way that you were going to get to me because that's who I thought I was. I never thought I was very smart or nothing. So I didn't try very hard in school or nothing. But I remember just driving by churches. I had no idea really who God was. But I'd drive by that church that we'd go to on Easter and Christmas, and I'd just, like, God would be pulling me to just go up there and just get, go to the door. I just wanted to meet God. I remember just hungering for God, and I didn't know what it was. But I remember that pull being there um, from God. And just, I remember just wanting to do that. And I never did. I never, never made it. But I remember just wanting that so bad. And then going back to school, and that wasn't the popular thing there. So I put on this, yeah, put on a different show for everyone else on who I really was. But deep inside, I was hungering for the Lord just like these youth are here too. And it's amazing. They've got a, you guys have got a place where you can know God, where you can get to know God, where there's people speaking to you the truth. Um, and that being said as well, um, I went up to pick up Malachi one day, and I've talked to Corey about this, but I went to meet him for lunch, and I pulled into the grocery store. And I pulled up to the grocery store, and I was waiting for Malachi. It was like 10 minutes early. And I was just sitting there, and I was praying because I was nervous. You know, I was like, what is Malachi going to think of me? Believe it. I'm nervous about what you guys think of me, too. You know, so I just I wanted to make a good impression. I wanted to be there for him. Um, I didn't want to be fake. I just wanted to, him to, to like me. And I wanted him to be able to come to me with any issues that he had. But I was sitting there and I was just praying and I was lifting it up to the Lord. And I was just asking the Lord to just help me have the words to speak. Help me to just be whatever you want me to be to reach this young man, to, to help him with whatever his needs were. And as I was sitting there waiting, the bell rang for that school for lunch to come out. And just, just all these kids started bursting out of this door. And I was up in the Smith's parking lot. And I can't even really describe it right now because when it, when it happened, I just felt the spirit coming out of that school of peer pressure, of whatever. I just remember the same spirit that I was going through, that I was fighting, that I was battling when I was in high school, that I was like just trying to be Mr. Cool, trying to fit in and trying to do all these things. It just came roaring out of that high school, and I just started crying. I was just so, so touched by it, and so I called Corey, and I said, man, Corey, you don't even, you know, Malachi was struggling at the time. But I just called Corey, and I said, hey, man, be easy. Not, not that we're, we've we're, we got to be disciplinaries to our kids, but I said, 
The spirit that came out of that school is something that I remember. And it was powerful. And it was dark. And it was hard. It was... Just remember that what they're battling, you know? And we don't know what they're battling at home. You know, the ones that aren't coming here with parents. But <laughs> way off subject what I was going to teach. But I just, just wanted to put that out there. Um, just some of the thoughts and feelings that I've had and some of the experiences that I've had. Now my, <laughs> thank you Jesus. Thank you for our youth, Lord God. Thank you for these ones that are here, Lord God. I thank you for Titus and Malachi, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you touch my heart, Lord God, when I come to these youth things. Lord God, you reach me, Lord God, more than, more than they can even imagine, Lord God, through them, Lord God. When they come to the altar, Lord God, as Jake said, Lord Jesus, Lord God, it reaches me, Lord God. I thank you for them, Lord God. I thank you for the way that they touch my heart, Lord Jesus, and, and just what they do in my life, Lord God. Help me to be a good leader, Lord God. Yes, Lord God, sanctified in your truth, Lord God. Not, Lord God, to just be humble, Lord God, and honest with them and transparent with them, Lord Jesus, to help me just to be real to them, Lord God. Show us, Lord God, how to have that relationship with these kids, Lord God, and to lead them to Christ and to lead them, Lord Jesus, to just in that path of righteousness that you lead us in, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so um, I don't want to turn directions here so hard, but I don't have a whole lot of scripture for what I'm talking about. I just wanted to throw that testimony in there with Jake. Hopefully I have enough time here. Um, my scriptures come from, and this is one that really touched my life, and um, I don't know if I'm going to be as transparent as I thought tonight. I don't know how much time I have. Um, but if I do, then I hope that... Uh, None of you think less of me when, when they leave here. Um, second Chronicles, or let's go to Proverbs 15.32 first. And I just, I do, I appreciate our pastors, and I appreciate the way our pastor Carnahan is lifting up Jerry he, in a perfect way because he is being led by Christ. We are this church is sanctified. This church is covered. You can feel the presence when pastor's here. It's not um, that pastor is a God, but he is one that, that gets in the truth, gets in the Word, and he prays for every one of you guys. Circles this church for the surrounding of it. I tried to do it tonight, but I don't have the authority that our pastor has. I have the Holy Spirit, but this man has wisdom and knowledge that... I do not have. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful for the uprising of our second pastor. This is being taught by such a good man under Christ. Obviously, we're not giving glory to anybody but Christ. But I'm so thankful for our leaders. And I just, 1532 of Proverbs. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof Getteth understanding. And I just wanted to, man, I don't know if I'm going to have enough time, but I wanted to go into this story in Second Chronicles about Ahab and Jehoshaphat. And we'll just, I'll just kind of go through it um, real quick. Like Ahab was not under the authority of God, and Jehoshaphat was very much so under the authority of God. You can read these stories in 1 Kings 21 and 22. And that one, I didn't use that one because it kind of tells about 
how Ahab, who Ahab is and where he came from. And he was kind of under the spirit of Jezebel. Um, not a good spirit. But I compare myself to these two men as back when I was under the spirit. I'm not going to say that I was under the spirit of Jezebel because I don't understand it enough to say that. But Jezebel was one that was coming against kings, coming against people that were trying to worship God and she was trying to tear them down and kill them and destroy them. She, she wanted to destroy people of God. And I know that I had an influence in my life that was sort of like that. Um, but then you have Jehoshaphat. And we'll go to Second um, Chronicles 17, 3 and 4. And I'm just going to go ahead and start reading them right now out of my word, out of my Bible here. And the Lord was with Joseph, Jehoshaphat. Because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but he sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. At the time, Israel was being led by Ahab, who was under the spirit of his wife Jezebel, who, if you read in 1 Kings 21 and 22, you'll kind of understand that. I, I suggest that you read these stories. These are, this one touches my heart just because... Um, this was me in, in my life at one time. But if we go to 17.9, it says, And they taught in Judah. And this is his officials, his prophets, um, Jehoshaphats. And, he, and, he, and they taught in Judah. And they had the book of the law and the, of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell upon the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. That kind of reminds me of Acts 2.42. Um, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread and in prayers, and the fear came upon every soul that was there because the word was there. They were, t they were out teaching the law, and that is why Jehoshaphat had the favor of the Lord. And then let's go to 18.3. Um, and this story is about Ahab and Jehoshaphat gathering together to, to fight against Ramoth Gilead. Um, Jehoshaphat had the Lord behind him. Ahab did not. He was kind of hiding behind. He wanted what he wanted, what God was given Jehoshaphat. He wanted the power of that army and the power that was behind him, but he didn't want to serve him. He just wanted to, he wanted to be on Jehoshaphat's side, to be under him. But this is a story about Ahab being seeking. He already knew what he wanted. He was going to go to battle. No matter what, no matter what the, the prophet or his leader of our church, that's why really we got to be under the authority of our leader because he's under the authority of God. And we got to seek kind of his approval for what we're doing. And I've, if I can get to it, I'll, I'll talk about um, just why this story touches me, but let's just read 18.3 and let's let the word speak to us. And Ahab, king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, wilt thou go with me to Ramath Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in war. And Jeho Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Go seek the Lord to find out if this is what we need to do or not. And then, therefore, the king of Israel, he gathered together 400 men, 
prophets. Wide is the gate to destruction. These prophets weren't the prophets of God. These weren't the prophets of, of righteousness. They were telling him what he wanted to hear. But he, he said, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle or shall I um, forbear? And they said, go up, for God will deliver you unto the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not there a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? So he's like, we need to find a real prophet of the Lord here. And the king of Israel said unto him, said unto Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man by whom they may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. For he never prophesies good unto me, but always evil. The same is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said to him, let the king say so. And so they called, they called for um, the king, or they, they called for Micaiah to come, and then they listened to all these other prophets telling him, do it, and I'm gonna, um, you're going to win the battle and go all this. So all these other 400 that are, the wide is the gate. Wide is the gate to destruction. The narrow is the path to life. There was one man that was going to speak to him the truth. And let's just skip all this. Um, the other prophets, they prophesied that he was going to win. The Lord will be delivered into the hand of the king. Or de deliver Ramoth Gilead to the hand of the king. But let's go ahead and see what Micaiah says about this. The, the prophet of the Lord in 15, 1815. And the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou, sell next, thou say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? Micaiah said, Then he said, I did see all of Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return, therefore, every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy anything good to me but to evil? He told them, You're going to lose. Your people are going to be scattered about as sheep without a shepherd. You're going to die if you make that decision. You're going to go back to using drugs if you make that decision. You're going to go back into depression if you use that decision. You're going to go back into the same lifestyle that you've been trying to overcome and you know it because the Lord has already talked to you about it, but you're just seeking someone that will tell you the easy way. You want the easy way. He wanted the easy way. So then he goes in to battle anyway. He doesn't listen to him. He's heard it. He probably already knew it before. I shouldn't do it. This guy's going to prophesy bad about me. He already knew the answer. But instead he goes in 28, he says, So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself. I will hide all the things that I've been doing wrong. I will hide them from the Lord. And you put on thy robes. And I like this in the... Um, NIV says the royal robes. Jehoshaphat, he had the royal robes. He put on his royal robes. He wasn't hiding from nothing. He knew that the authority of the Lord was behind him because he listened to the prophets. He listened to God, what God was saying to him. And he lived a righteous life. He lived what God, he, he did what God told him to do. He had nothing to hide. He was ready to go in battle. And so the king of Israel disguised himself and they went into battle. Now the king of Syria commanded the captains of the chariots that were with him, saying, 
Fight ye not with the small or great, save only the king of Israel. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they thought it was Ahab, because Ahab was out hiding, hiding behind his lies, his sins, or whatever. Therefore, they compassed about him to fight. But Jehoshaphat, he cried out, and the Lord helped him. And God moved them to depart from him. Jehoshaphat was sanctified in the Lord. He called out to the Lord, and the Lord saved him. He answered him, because he was righteous in God's eyes. And for it came to pass that when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him, and he lives. And a certain man drew a bow, a fiery dart from the wicked one. Drew a bow at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. A stray fiery dart just came out of nowhere and killed him. The fiery dart of the wicked. He said to the chariot man, Turn thy hand, and thou mayest carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. This story speaks to me. Um, I'm probably not going to go into too much detail of it. But it just speaks to me about just a long struggle I've had with addiction, immorality, lying to my wife about things, and just hiding things. And I'd come back to this church. And I've been coming to this church for a long time, but I haven't really been serving the Lord for a long time. Because I was hiding some lies, and I was hiding some things inside in my marriage. And uh, I remember I went to treatment about 10 years ago, and uh, let's just put it this way. My wife didn't know some things about me. She didn't know some things that I was doing out there. She knew that I was a drug addict, and she didn't like me. And so I was seeking, it was a drug treatment, treatment, it was a Christian center. And I already knew what God told me, that I needed to open up and tell her what's going on. And I needed to become honest with her so that our marriage could be restored, so that I didn't have to do the things I was doing, the drugs, <laughs> the other struggles, the depression that I've been fighting for so long. And so I just seeked out a man, and he told me, oh, no, you don't tell her that. And so I got my answer. I got my answer from a man of God. When I knew here in this church there was a man of God that would have spoke to me the truth, but guess what? I wasn't going to come to him because I didn't want to hear the answer that I knew was right. I was seeking an answer that I made me the easy way. I wanted to be delivered from drugs, and I wanted to be delivered from all these things. And I was seeking the easy way, and I come back, and me and my wife, we got along. I quit doing drugs for a long time, but there was still something in me, and it was that I knew I was hiding, that I knew that she didn't know everything. <laughs> then I went back to using drugs again. And I went back to the same lifestyle, the same 
crud and all my sins were building up, building up and building up. And all the pain and all the other things, you know, the... This is, this is my greatest testimony right here. Forgiveness and mercy. What a beautiful woman. Thank you, Chrissy. I love you so much. So I came back and I struggled. The same things. The same things. And I knew exactly what God was telling me. Over and over. There's two things that God was telling me. Get rid of the drugs that you got now. Get rid of all that stuff that you got now before you finish it. Every time you finish it, then you come to me. Give it to me and I will deliver you. He told me that for, he's been telling me that since I was 19 years old. I walked into a church one time, I came out of jail, and the next thing you know, it only took me about four days. I had a bag of weed in my pocket. And I remember going into that church and I hadn't, done any, I hadn't done anything with it yet. But I knew it was burning a hole in my pocket. And it was at a different church. It wasn't at a church like this where I felt faith. But I was like, i got to give this to someone because it's going to destroy my life again. And the Lord was speaking to me and He was telling me to get rid of it. To put it on the altar. To give it to one of the men and have them pray for you. But I left that place and I didn't do it. I chickened out. But I did. I heard the Lord. He told me. He told me to do that. And I heard him, and then I, I started doing that, and then it gradually came in to the immoral man that I am, that I was. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse until finally I love to bring Brother Darren up. But I had a bunch of brothers praying for me at this church about five years ago. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for Brother Darren because... He was transparent with me because I thought when I came in here, all oh, you guys are perfect, man. All oh, you guys, you guys got um, willpower. That's something that I don't have. Where do I get that? Darren, give me some of what that. You say that you don't have, you got to have the willpower, man. How am I going to stop doing drugs? But Brother Matt and Brother Darren, they're like, just give it to God. Take it to the altar. So finally one day I got the courage, okay. I'm not going to finish this. I'm not going to finish this today. I'm going to bag it all up. And then I would put some off the side. I'm going to have to have this. I'm going to have to have this because it's going to be hard as bad as I've been being. I need this to, to do. And the Lord said, no, get that. Put it in the bag. Anything that has to do Anything that is contrary to me at the time, I didn't know much what was contrary to God. I just knew drugs were contrary to God. And I knew some of the other things that it was causing. But I bagged it all up and I brought it to this church. Brother Darren came, picked me up. I love Brother Darren. He was with me so many times. He listened to me forever until finally the day I was ready. Darren, I'm ready. I'm coming. And I've got this. And I feel weird. And I, I, I felt like a weirdo. But I laid it right here. And Brother Jerry was preaching that night. And I watched it the other night. I don't know if I can speak this over there. But we all know what his past um, job was. And he came up to me. And I'm sure he knew what was in there. But he was the first one to lay hands on me in this place. 
He was the first one to come. He knew that I needed deliverance because all you guys were praying for me. Everyone here was praying for me. <laughs> one down. One down. And I went on and I was on cloud nine. And then I knew eventually started getting stronger. God, he's awesome. He let me get strong enough to be able to do the next step, to get honest. Start paying some people back that I owed money that I stole from. Start being honest with some people. And to tell my wife the truth. To talk to her. And to do it the right way. You know, Pastor talked about searing our conscience. What I did, I would come back to this place and I would let my conscience be seared. Okay, I'm not ever going to do it again. But just let me live this way, God. I do not want to do that. That's going to hurt her so bad. I do not want to hurt her. So I let my conscience be seared. Okay, we're just going to do it my way. And my conscience was seared. Um, and I forget that scripture. 2 Timothy 4, 5, I think, or something like that, or 5, 2. But anyway, so now I knew what I needed to do. I needed to tell my wife. So I began prayer. Lord God, I know I need to do that, and I am not going to back out. I'm walking with you this time. I am going to be sanctified. I am never going to turn back. I want to be a man of God that you want me to be. I want you to raise me up to the things that you want me to be, Lord. So I need your help. Because I don't want to hurt this woman that I, I love. I need your help, God. I need your help to do it the right way. <laughs> and she needs you, God. And finally, the Lord gave me one night to do it. It was one of the worst nights of my life, but also one of the greatest. He's transformed my marriage around. You are awesome, Lord. You are awesome, Lord. You are awesome, Lord Jesus. So I knew if I would have asked our man of God what he would have told me. But I already knew. I didn't even go there. I told her, we've been working on it. Our marriage has been he being healed. God's doing great things in us. Um... Hebrews 13, 7. Let's go into some scripture. Thank you for all for listening to the testimony. I hope that it's helped someone. But I know now, there is still some things right now. I can sleep at night. I can sleep at night. But I know now, God doesn't stop talking to me. He, when he puts big things in my life, I don't allow my conscience to be seared. And I'm not saying that I'm something great. I'm not great. You guys all know who. I just told you who I was. God is good. God is good. 
But now when He gives me something big, I know that don't bury it, Mike. Just keep praying for the Lord to give you strength to make that decision. Because if the Lord is talking to you about making a decision, then that decision needs to be made. And do not let your conscience get seared about it. Because it will destroy you. You will walk away. I don't know if it's drugs or immorality or depression or um, forgiveness or whatever it is. But if God's telling you, then you need to keep praying for the strength to do it otherwise you will get seared and then all that stuff's going to just come back in and pile itself right back up in the name of jesus in the name of jesus hebrews 13 7 says remember those which have rule over you who have spoken to you the word of god who has whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. The word rule there means like a middle strengthened. It means a strong man, like someone that's leading you with strength. It doesn't mean like he's our, he's like our king and he's because pastor doesn't act like that. But he's got a strength. And, and Pastor Jerry doesn't act like that. But they've got a strength behind them. And yes, I am under their authority now. I'm working on it. I still struggle with some things the other day that Bring this up. Um, considering the end of their conversation, what's their lifestyle like? You know, it, I know that our pastor, he's dealt with some, he's dealt with cancer as a son. He's dealt with lawsuits. He's came to my house at midnight when me and Chrissy were struggling with these things. When things were falling all apart, disaster was struck. And my pastor was there for me. He's been here every Sunday, twice, every Wednesday. He comes and prays. He prays for us. He shows up at our house. That is the end of the conversation that I'm looking for. That is the man of rule that I want to ask. What should I do? Also, the man that hardly ever asked, answers us straight up. He kind of lets God do that for him. We basically, when we're coming to Him, we know. We know. And Pastor usually doesn't give me a straight answer. Like, Pastor, tell me what's wrong so I can be a better person. Never tells me. Let's God tell me. And then that's the way it works. That's the way. When God tells me and it happens... Then I, don't, I can't be like, well, pastor's forcing me to act this way and dress this way and do that. No, he lets God. Everything that's happened in my life, it's usually God. And, and pastor, he is a good leader. Um, I'll just finish it with this. Oh, finish it with <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You are awesome, Lord God. Thank you for our leaders. Thank you, Jesus, for, for people that just truly live for God and teach us, Lord God. Thank you for um, leaders like Jake and Acacia, Lord God, and Jerry, Lord God. Thank you for everybody that has a ministry position in this place, Lord God, who are trying to lead. We are not perfect, Lord God, but we are trying to lead people, Lord Jesus, the way that you would want us to, to be led, Lord God. We are trying to be transparent, Lord God. <laughs> we love you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've given us.
Thank you for all that you've given us, God. But I remember just kind of learning lately about being under the authority of, of pastor. And I called him one time, and I was already on my way to, uh, uh, we were going to South Dakota to see Mark Brown. I was like, hey, pastor, is it all right if I, well, well we're heading out of town to go see Mark Brown. Is that okay? And he's like, well, that's what most people do. They always ask when they're already on their way out. And I kind of got upset the way he answered it, but he was kind of being sarcastic. Like, I was like, why is he so mad? I'm going to church over there, you know, and all this. But um, so I kind of got upset, and I was like, I did. I didn't really ask him for permission. I just said, I'm doing it. And then I was like, well, what's the big deal anyway? Well, then I got down there, and it's like, there's people out there that are church hopping. There's people that are out there causing, saying, this pastor over here is doing this and this. They're acting like this in this church. We're come here to move. There's people going out and destroying churches. So when I got there, their pastor called my pastor and said, hey, do you know, they called Pastor Jerry and said, did you know that Mike's, Mike and Chrissy are down here? Um, you know, they're checking out church service. No, that's, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. They are protecting us. They're putting walls in our lives to protect things from getting destroyed. Our pastor is sanctifying this church. God's sanctifying this church in truth. And He is doing things so that we can have a safe place to hear the Word of God, to be healed. Yes, in the name of Jesus. And I, I thank You, Lord God. Thank You for my leaders, Lord God. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for the rule that I have, Lord God. I do not always understand it, Lord God, but their wisdom does in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. There's one more testimony. And it's just about being under the authority. I had a hard time. We all do. When it says rule, like my ruler, pastor's my ruler, he's just a man. But I've came to totally respect it. And there was a guy that I was going to go visit. I was going to go there and kind of speak to the judge for him at the jail. And I knew that inside, the voice of God was saying, are you going to speak to your authority about whether you should do that or not? I was Ahab. I was like, well, <laughs> he's going to say no way. Can't do that. <laughs> I was going to go talk to Morgan when I was going to go to his court date. And I was going to do it without the authority of my pastor, without his approval. And then God told me, because it's something that I knew that I'm learning, you know, I'm learning. I'm learning to respect that position. He is over us for a reason. And uh, I went and asked him, and he's like, yeah. But I thought for sure he was going to say no, but... I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and God was like, so he's going to say no, and that's why you are not going to do it? How much respect do you have over what he's trying to teach you? So I went directly to him. He said yes. And, you know, sometimes we don't know. But we're just, we got so much pride trying to do things our own way. We got a man of God who's been living for God for 35 years. He knows a lot of things. There's been some things happening in this church. He, he puts the walls up. Now, there's things that happen. He has a lot more. He has a history. 
keeping this church alive. But I'm so thankful today. Um, 2 Timothy 4.2. Let's just go to that and I'll finish with that. But it talks about how our pastor is going to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with doctrine. Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And I'm just going to say that that's the job of our pastor right there. But what is our job with that Scripture? To be able to be exhorted. To be rebuked. To be reproved. We need to be able to be reproved by God and by the man of God. I'm so thankful for um, just our future here as well. Um, it's, I, I feel so blessed in this church that it's being raised up right. It's not like, boom, we need a leader. Here you go. You take it over. I've seen that happen in other things too. And I'm so thankful for a humble man that is under the authority of another humble man of God. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for just all that you do, Lord God. I pray right now that, you know, let's just bring um, Pastor Jerry up here right now. And, and in place of Pastor Carnahan, he's not here right now, but he probably wouldn't have liked this message anyway <laughs> for me to be under him. But I say to, that uh, if we can just gather around Pastor Jerry and, and in the, just pray for him and Pastor Carnahan and all of our leaders for Jake and Acacia, I pray for Jake and Acacia to come up here as well. And just that, that we will respect them. And that the Lord will help them to just lead us in the paths of righteousness.